0: doing some intro music
1: well we have intro music okay <laughs> <laughs> you made welcome back to catechized <laughs> the podcast where we discuss historic reform confessions and catechisms i'm your host josh with me as always is my co-host saint john the divine patron saint of cows as we'll talk about oh that's next episode but uh, will we well not you being the patron saint of cows oh, okay. but saints <laughs> Oh, in patron the, in, saints! Yes, in the uh, in the uh, questions from the catechumens section. Yeah, we're okay.
0: actually getting to those. Now. I
1: know we've got three episodes left this season, and then we'll take a little holiday break, and we'll do a little footnotes and proof texts, and then we'll go, get back into the catechism, probably in like with a late fiery, January. flaming vengeance of fury, sure. right? And love and love um, and whimsy,
0: whimsy. Yeah, like being silly. Oh, I've never
1: referred to.
0: That sounds very British.
1: Maybe I don't know. Very
0: whimsy. <laughs> it's whimsical. Uh, Whatever,
1: uh, John. I think it's. I think it's important for me to gripe right here. Which, and that gripe is that when I posted a random Google clip art of a turkey saying <laughs> 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 saying that we had taken the week off to be with family. We got like three times the amount of likes <laughs> <laughs> that we get when we say we have a new episode. Oh, that is hilarious. Like everyone's like, oh, thank goodness. They've shut up for thank a week. Thank goodness. A week
0: <laughs> off. <laughs> we'll like that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It was yeah, pretty, I saw that on it, Instagram. It was a
1: pretty good clip art I found on the free clip arts <laughs> use for your own uses thing. But
0: <laughs> but maybe not quite worth the likes it got.
1: <laughs> triple the Well, triple the likes is still not very many likes. But it is triple the likes of the typical post. And first of all, I make those in Adobe something and it's not very hard and it doesn't take very long because I use the same thing again and again, but I do make them. And then I just Googled it's the turkey so- and put it took like 40 seconds from start to finish and everyone's like, oh my nice. gosh,
0: I will say there was some nice color on that turkey. It was a creative color palette
1: i should here's
0: what we should do well do the rest of the the art we do this season with with the color of the turkey or just have the turkey be in there (laughs) just stick it in the middle stick the turkey
1: on it i could do that (laughs) i'll put the turkey in all of them
0: just like a little bottom corner turkey like it's our no it'll be a watermark turkey (laughs) 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 you're just gonna fade it out fade it out anyways
1: we're back after thanksgiving we hope you all had a great time breaking the law with your family having I was going to say soup. I don't know why that. No one had soup. That but. notable Everyone, Thanksgiving you know, No, soup. we actually always have like two days after Thanksgiving. It's just like all the rest of the turkey gets made into some turkey soup. But that's not really? what I meant. Like the Thanksgiving dinner, the real one, not the soup one that comes from leftovers. Yeah. Like Indeed. In, like in a dining hall in college. Oh. Hobo soup. Hot dogs oh. yesterday, hobo soup today.
0: Oh, man. That was always in college. That was always a very funny thing. You'd be like.
1: Like who are they fooling? Yeah, they, it would just, who they you think just is not gonna notice? <laughs> stuff was going.
0: <laughs> It'd be hamburgers, and then the next day it would be like hamburger soup. Yeah, tacos, burger, taco uh, soup. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Taco soup burgers is at least a thing outside beef stroganoff of stroganoff <laughs> with with burger pieces in it.
1: <laughs> I have a friend who worked at Wendy's, and he said that Wendy's chili is just all of the previous day's burgers that didn't get used put into a chili.
0: Oh, that'll be devastating because I know people who go to Wendy's for the chili.
1: Yeah, well, well. If that you pop- <laughs> if, if you love that chili, then hopefully you have you've already kind of accepted emotionally that it's probably not grade A beef. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I, I go to Taco Bell all the time, and that's not grade A beef when they get it.
1: So. Yeah, exactly. If you, anyway. if, I feel like if you're willing to eat a Wendy's burger, then you should be willing to eat Wendy's chili a the, like a day later burger. Yeah. It's not that gross, but it is a little bothersome. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about the other thing. So we're back in the catechism. We're doing the last three episodes on um, on, on, on Jesus and what Jesus has done. This week, we're looking at Christ's humiliation. Um, next week, his exaltation. And then finally, we'll close off a little hiccup there. Hmm. Excuse me. We'll close off. <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, we'll close off this season with a discussion of union with Christ uh, before the holidays. I also think it's funny. This is side note. I think it's funny how the world right now is trying to like get everyone to talk about Christmas without actually saying Christmas because it's offensive, and they're oh, like yeah. say Happy Holidays instead, which just is holy days. Like it doesn't change the fact that the focus is on God, <laughs> and then they're like Happy Xmas, but X is actually an ancient Christian summary of christ's name because it's the chi which is the first letter in christ <laughs> in greek <laughs> so, so that basically acts, we're saying the same thing you get away from you can't get over, you can't take jesus out of christmas even if you try mm-hmm. get wrecked happy festive Check, season atheist. Check this made atheist so i was tweet about atheism. someone who was like someone wished me happy toyota today but i celebrate happy honda days or something like that it made me laugh nice i guess you Stupid had to be jokes. there josh <laughs> it was funny okay uh, anyways let's let's again move on from from that sorry everybody all right it's just fun to be back together i know agreed it's
0: been it's been a little well, while we've here. seen
1: each other but it's fun to do this again <laughs> i know
0: it feels like we have a third friend in the room yeah there is another the technology in the fire, to quote a, a recent get out of here <laughs> 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 uh, uh, to okay. quote the hymn of the day <laughs> no Uh, shut up all right anyway (laughs) i'm gonna read question 27 out of the westminster shorter catechism any any opposition uh abstaining sweet here we go question 27 here's the question wherein did christ's humiliation consist and the answer is christ's humiliation consisted in his being born and that in a lowly condition made under the law undergoing the miseries of this life, the wrath of God, and the cursed death of the cross, in being buried and continuing under the power of death for a time.
1: Nice. Here that that is again. Here's that? No, here that is again. Jeez. Uh, (laughs) Question and answer 27 of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Wherein did Christ's humiliation consist? Christ's humiliation consisted in his being born, that in a low condition made under the law, undergoing the miseries of this life, the wrath of God, and the cursed death of the cross, and being buried and continuing under the power of death for a time. Boom. Nice. Uh, So, we've been talking about Jesus' work as prophet, priest, and king, and, and each time we have done that, we've talked about how Jesus serves as prophet, priest, and king, respectively, in both his humiliation and in his exaltation. And now we're not we're not going to be focusing on the roles anymore but we're going to focus on that distinction between his exaltation or his humiliation and then his exaltation yeah
0: and i think i think it's helpful helpful from the onset to just note when we say humiliation this is you could kind of say this is more of a technical term than like uh jesus is being it's not like he's the nerd in the lunchroom and someone
1: poured like sloppy joes on his head (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the idea is is that
0: and in a sense, it really is humiliation because yeah. J- Jesus is going from his position at the right hand of the Father in heaven as part of the Godhead, and he's still that obviously on Earth, but he takes on the form of a man. Yeah. And so, so it's kind of a kind of a downgrade a little bit. A <laughs> yeah, one slight <laughs> slight downgrade. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Let me. So, yeah.
1: I mean, to that end, let me read maybe the most famous passage on the humiliation of christ which is from philippians 2 5 and following um mm. we, we'll stop after uh, we'll stop we'll go through verse 11 this week and we'll pick up with verse 12 next week oh sweet it's the exaltation part i mean verse 8 we're going through verse 9 is the exaltation <laughs> part
0: uh, nice
1: i just looked quick looked quickly and saw the therefore in verse 12 and was like that must be where it is because there's a therefore after the humiliation before the exaltation. But, but he double dip. Paul double dips with the. There Paul's course. a big so therefore guy. Yeah. And as my Sunday He's school, a big school on as Sunday as everyone's Sunday school teacher said, "What's the therefore? Therefore?" <laughs> Did you ever hear that when you were in <laughs> uh, like sixth I, well, grade? I feel
0: like I've heard that in a, in like sermons and stuff for a while. Yeah. You know, Anyways, you need to ask what the therefore.
1: Is there for? Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, maybe Good the one. first person to do this was <laughs> clever, but yeah. it's it's really that's the horse that's been beat to death most. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, now we're distracting from the passage. I'm going to read it. Um, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And, and this passage is basically the source material for the whole of the catechism's answer. There's also Galatians 4.4, 4, which talks about Christ at the fullness of time, being born of a woman, being born under the law, mm. which we'll talk about in a second, and other parts that talk about Christ becoming a curse, other passages. Yeah. Also in Galatians and then in, in Corinthians, where he became sin who knew no sin. Those sorts of things. Um, yeah. I saw a this, diagram. Or go ahead. I was just say this is this is the source material and basically just the perfect summary of Christ's humiliation from his from the cradle to the grave, from his from which is that that your whole life <laughs> <laughs> from his from his incarnation to his death and burial. That that is the period of Christ's humiliation, and this verse summarizes that uh with others and it's it, Christ's humiliation in our discussion today is basically going to be a summary of his redemptive work i think is a good way to put yeah. it what's I, the I, diagram i was gonna say
0: uh, one of the professors at the seminary always gives this diagram which is basically a a v it's a large v
1: <laughs> is this dr keen yeah so his diagram
0: <laughs> he does it at like every class and it goes the idea is just that jesus is and and it, you see this in this as well the trajectory is just it keeps getting kind of more and more humiliating yeah <laughs> in the sense you know born under the law and keep going down and then um there's sin there and, and then he dies and that's like a the particularly load. bad death yeah and that is so that's the bottom of the v um next week when we talk about the exaltation we'll talk about the rise yeah so
1: from the i just heard, i main. just started hearing that chant from dark knight rises in my head where they're all in that hole where batman gets healed by a rope oh yeah No, that's i funny think that's fine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> chant. yes so this is the the kind of increasingly decreasing <laughs> of christ's <Increasingly> glory <laughs> worsening Christ's, yeah, th- of Christ, yeah, where he gets, his state. yeah, that's that's we're we're confusing terms. Yeah, Christ I'm sorry. humbles himself um, more and more throughout his life, unto the point where he is in the grave. Yeah, and, I, in, yeah, I think that, that to, to call this the 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 summary of Christ's redemptive work is, I think, helpful. So, the Catechism and and Philippians starts by saying that um, he was born. Uh, and, and that alone is humbling, right? The creator of the universe becomes one of his creatures. Uh, that's that that's humbling, that he became the thing that he made. Yeah. There's like a C.S. Lewis quote somewhere where he basically talks about
0: how Jesus' being born is kind of like a shepherd becoming one of, one his, of his, sheep. his sheep and then dying for the other sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Except way more because we're closer to sheep than God is to us. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> that doesn't compromise image bearing. It's talking yeah. about creaturely versus creator yeah. nature, which is which is true that being creatures, we have much more in common with sheep than with God. Yeah. Um, even though we bear his image, we are creatures, so are sheep. God is creator. That's a big deal. Yeah. And so the creator became a creature. Um, not as we've talked about in other places, and we'll talk about a little bit in the heresy of the week, not surrendering or ceasing to be God, Yeah. but... Um, but he does add to himself a human nature, and that's humbling. That this is the selflessness of God to win and work salvation. That He becomes a man, and the Catechism highlights in a lowly state. Again, He's born in a barn in a backyard of a crowded hotel. Yeah. Um, he doesn't take. He's not the son of the emperor of Rome. Right. Like, yeah. He not this uh, glorious like account. Um, and then and then the Catechism continues undergoing the miseries of life, and and that. Um, there's I think a couple interesting aspects to that that we want to highlight. We're just kind of trying to summarize a picture of the humiliation of Christ, yeah. Because we've got a lot to talk about, and, and it's good. It's just a good thing to summarize, well, I guess. I oh, don't know. Yeah. Um, but maybe not something to dive abundantly deep into. Yeah, I mean, you could spend you could spend forever like let's work
0: through the individual aspects of Christ's ministry or something like that, right. which is a great thing to do, but.
1: We just, but that's for another, that's not the purpose of this. That's for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so he humbles himself both in the fact that he becomes one of his creatures and in the way he does that. He does that as a lowly carpenter born in a, born in a barn. And he, he does this, um, suffering all of the things of life. And we kind of wanted to make a distinction in our discussion of this reality that Christ both suffered, under sin and he suffered as a sinner even though he wasn't one yeah and so this first thing the the where the catechism says that he underwent the miseries of this life we we want to clarify or highlight that that's that he suffered um all sin Uh, the author of hebrews says that jesus suffered all temptation we have after his baptism jesus suffering temptation in the wilderness where he fasted 40 days like him being God and man did not change the fact that he was a human person who didn't eat for 40 days. Like that's miserable. Yeah, that is tough. <laughs> he suffered, uh, that. And and then like, just to think like in silly ways, um, even though he was perfect, that didn't mean that like Jesus learned to walk by falling down and he had, he had actual siblings. No, um, he did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who maybe like pushed him around and he got sick and he was tired and he uh, we, we stubbed we, his thumb. Yeah. And, yeah. or he was a carpenter. He probably smashed it with a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ugh, that hurts. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but in all seriousness, when, when the author of Hebrews says that he is our great high priest who knows what it is to suffer and be tempted in every way that we do to be tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. It wasn't just like he was tempted to lie and didn't, but he was tempted to be obstinate in the miseries of this life. Yeah. And he didn't the 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 like the the moments of loneliness or weariness that drive us to be maybe in varying levels mad at or angry with God either intentionally and directly or kind of subconsciously. Jesus was tempted to those as well because he existed under the law and under sin. He existed in yeah. a world that was broken, and he both stood fast in his perfection against kind of clear temptations to sin as well as those daily miseries um as well as he he was the one who kept the law paul in galatians as we talked about says that he suffered or that he was born under the law and there's significance to that with the highlight that we will highlight later
0: yeah and we've talked about we've talked about this in the past how sin has on us has this there's this like two-faceted relationship with us. In in the one sense we sin and sin and in the other sin is done to us. And while Jesus never sins, there is definitely that sense of sin is done to him in the sense of he's living in this world where sin is rampant and where every single person around him is a sinner. Yeah. And so he has to suffer under the effects of that.
1: Yeah. I mean think even of his like maybe the last great sin against him. Where Judas, someone who was, by all accounts, one of his best friends, yeah. uh, betrays him for some money.
0: For, like, not even that much money. That sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> like, tell... Who's experienced that sort of betrayal? Like, everyone's had a friend to be kind of a jerk to, you, but that's, l- like... Your imagine friend when, kills imagine you. Imagine one of your closest 12 friends sells you to death for a bag of money. Gosh, come on bad yeah yeah he suffered like in m- massive ways um weariness hunger disease like the idea that he was perfect didn't mean that he was spared from the brokenness of the world he yeah. he he suffered both temptation and kind of the, the miseries of this life and i guess as we wanted to highlight that he suffered under the law that that jesus um was born as one who was bound by the law and one who as a creature uh, as a man um owed God obedience, yeah, um and and bore the burden of that now he bore it perfectly, and he didn't. it's the burden we all bear, and he alone bore it, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and and so yeah, the the fact that he suffered the miseries of this life maybe is something that we don't actually often focus on, yeah, that Jesus lived and and let's be honest here. Pretty much every American, I don't want to sound, I don't want to be insensitive to the genuine hardships that that many people in in America have today. But being, but the average, the, the average person in America, the average Christian in America, has an infinitely better life than the average Jew in Judea in the first century. Oh yeah, um, at least like in terms of comforts, low and- technology <laughs> under the oppression of Rome, like a- like drinking water probably gave you diarrhea all the time.
0: Yeah. You you may not necessarily even know where your next meal is coming from. And I know that's the case
1: for some people today. Which which is also great news, right? Jesus suffered in every way, and so yeah. the poor and needy now know that Jesus suffered that and relates to you, and so go to his throne of grace where he offers help in time of need, not as one ignorant to what it is to be in need. Yeah.
0: And then I guess on the on the the other side of that, we were talking about the two sides of Christ's kind of being under sin. Um, the other side is that he is punished as a sinner. Right. Uh, not because obviously he didn't sin, but the punishment he receives is the punishment due a, a capital offender. Right. Um, being
1: crucified is, is no joke. It's for the worst of the worst only, <laughs> yeah. both in its kind of open shame and in the fact that that is just a horrible way to die. Like slowly suffocating as you bleed out of the nail holes in your arms and legs. And yeah, like bleed from your and head everywhere and else. all the places you were bludgeoned before you were nailed to that thing and, it, and it's suffocation but not like effective or efficient suffocation so it's a really long and slow process like everyone else other than jesus who died on the cross had their legs broken so that they would eventually die faster They just die quickly yeah not even quickly just so it wouldn't take as many hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah like goodness like ah uh, i don't know sorry it's i interrupted bad. you now you're good but, but yeah, basically,
0: what I was saying is that he's um, he, though he is obviously not a sinner, is treated like a he sinner. He does
1: suffer in every he suffers every consequence that a sinner ought to, both yeah. physical and spiritual. Like he, so, he suffers like you were talking about that the death on the cross that everyone who is a sinner deserves to die. He dies. Yeah, and and his time this this highlights remaining under the power of death for a time where he's in the grave three days. That's also. Like that's that's something that is due to a sinner. Yeah, that, that we deserve to die, and to and to to like be under death. Yeah, and he was, even though he didn't deserve it, and he also suffered spiritually the full wrath of God. The the which is worst. worse, <laughs> <laughs> as miserable uh. as the cross sounds, which it's far more miserable than it sounds. I would, I, I I think yeah. we can say fairly. Yeah, uh, the wrath of God is is worse
0: I, it's funny i i sometimes there's sort of this feeling i f, i i get sometimes that people have this like well jesus can't relate to what i'm going through type thing like I, and the and it's funny because well because <laughs> the thinking is like jesus never had to deal with this what i'm dealing with and it's like well jesus had to deal with way worse than you have to deal yeah with. <laughs> and maybe
1: not that literal exact same example but he dealt with a thing that was kind of characteristically or thematically identical yeah like yeah we'll talk about that later <laughs> yeah um but, the but I, of think, the week. I
0: think it's helpful to remember that that he is he's not like yeah it's not like he's just some
1: like pure divine being fake suffering right it's all genuine mm-hmm. authentic miserable suffering um and uh, before we move to a quick summary of this section and move to the next as i was researching there was this interesting thing oh my gosh i'm drinking water so that i don't like cough and it's just making me hiccup it's worse it's not it's not (laughs) resolving any problems it's just making me weird in a different way i usually
0: just chug water for like 30 seconds to avoid hiccups. That's my that's my. Does method. that work? It works how could for you? Me. How could you chug water for 30 seconds with those little tiny cups that you drink? <laughs> <off>? <laughs> Josh, me and Josh lived together for several years and I have this weird thing where for some reason I don't like to get a big cup of water. I like to get a small cup and just fill it like three times. Don't know why. It's just.
1: Everyone has their things. John. It's just part of the system.
0: Sure. <laughs> Anyways,
1: I found this interesting thing from Thomas Watson, this observation that talking about christ's humiliation he who was born of the virgin one of the uh, one of the elements of that virgin birth he highlights is that it's a completion or an answering to the type of melchizedek in the old testament that melchizedek was said to be without mother or father and christ being without mother as god and being without father as man that as to his Uh, Mm, as to his divinity he was never begotten he was never there was no one who bore god god has always existed and as to his humanity he was never fathered um he was born of the virgin and so in his two natures christ is the perfect melchizedek who was without father or mother and that just means that we we don't have the genealogy of that guy yeah Uh, for the purpose of highlighting who christ would be and other things but that's helpful to point out it's not melchizedek
0: <laughs> we we're not going down that rabbit trail today
1: right but he didn't sprout out of the ground but yeah he's not like the
0: pre-incarnate jesus or something
1: that's also true yeah but yeah anyway so basic summary of this section christ's redemptive work is his humiliation or his humiliation is his redemptive work where wherein i like that word i wish it wasn't discarded by a yeah, modern I language i use um, it in papers and stuff so it's great for papers yeah uh, i sometimes use it in class and my ninth graders make fun of me which whatever um like I don't care. You're <laughs> going to be not cool in <laughs> 6 years anyway. Like. <laughs> I'm already not cool. Um, now we have a good time me and those Minos. I don't know how old 9 and are. 14-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I was just that's what I tell kids
0: <laughs> when they're like, "Oh, you don't know what this means?" I'm like, you're going to be out of date
1: shortly. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. Anyways, Christ's humiliation is his redemptive work, wherein he is the perfect man again, born. And even that at a humble low state Mm -hmm. who merited favor and salvation with God, being born under the law and facing both the temptations in the miseries of life and the temptations to Mm -hmm. sin and remaining perfect in the midst of those. And so he was perfect before God. And, then he suffered as one who wasn't perfect. He suffered as the imperfect man, both death and spiritual death and burial. He, he endured the full consequences of sin in his life, his actual dying on the cross and his being dead in the grave. And that's his humiliation. And in the entirety of his humiliation is the fullness of his redemptive work. That with his obedience of, that as the true man born of Mary, and he lived the perfect life, under the law obeying the law perfectly he lived the perfect life in opposition to temptation and the miseries of life suffering temptation in addition to that misery and dying and being buried as one who who broke the law which mm-hmm. does accomplish redemption and salvation for those who are his because his obedience is theirs and his Boom. suffering and death are are theirs as well uh, the great exchange heck yeah heck yeah so cool the the humiliation of crisis is is a good thing to ponder and 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 understand more so hopefully that's an encouragement yeah ready ready for some history
0: historia de last week
1: oh my gosh i didn't know you took spanish yeah i i got it incredible Yeah, yeah history of the week Uh, I didn't tell you what this is, so this is, totally <laughs> this <good. laughs> is interesting. <laughs> um, so I was like Googling and thinking, I was like, what do I want to do for the history of this week? Christ humiliation. I was like, we'll do a hymn. We'll do a hymn because we're in the season of Advent anticipating christmas looking back on the the anticipation of the first coming of the messiah and and anticipating hopefully in a greater longing the, the second coming of christ so an advent hymn would make sense both to the humiliation of christ looking forward to his birth wherein he is humiliated wherein nice yeah um and also thematically to the season that we're in and um as i was doing that i found that basically the history of the week is the bizarre history of the song away in a manger <laughs> oh, good the, so, good do tell so as i was looking up hymns that i wanted to do uh i found some just weird stuff about this basically away in a Manger" apparently has just some very obscure origin that one of the earliest accounts like no one knows where this came <laughs> from <laughs> one of the earliest accounts of this song or him is in an 1882 journal um i forget what the journal is called but um it's a journal that's against the masons you know the freemasons like from from national treasure yeah it's an anti-masonic journal (laughs) and in this 1882 version of the anti-masonic journal or i guess edition or whatever um there is the first two verses of this hymn entitled Luther's Cradle Hymn. And everyone ascribes it to Martin Luther that he wrote it. But this but is the f- first time we have it is in the 1800s. Well, one of the first times yeah. we have it. And then there's no connection with Luther and other texts from Luther that th- the German renditions of this are really clunky. And it's like this is obviously not. It's obviously German. from English first back into German. Yeah. And um, and people are always like everything that Martin Luther writes In terms of hymns is always very doctrinal and theological and this is just a story it's too narratival Uh, (laughs) especially with the the fact that that it's often accused of docetism where jesus isn't actually man because he's laying in a manger and he makes no crying he doesn't cry what kind of baby what kind of human baby lays in hay in the cold while a bunch of cows are making noise and is just like yeah i'm cool with it this is just born <laughs> right right no crying he makes i don't oh, know i bet he would be crying that's super interesting it's i had <laughs> i had not
0: I, I guess i don't i'm not very familiar with that him other than like the first three lines so. yeah
1: no i i, I don't I, I know i know it because it's a classic but i don't know the last time i've sung it that's funny <laughs> um so yeah Maybe uh, written by Martin Luther, but definitely not. <laughs> and <laughs> and maybe written by Martin Luther if like, he suddenly got really
0: bad at writing hymns. <laughs> I also
1: love that the first appearance of it was in a journal that was against the Masons. <laughs> <laughs> like like that, It's that, so all over the place. such a bizarre history. Anyways, that's the history. Nice. Not very edifying, but pretty fun. But pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so uh,
0: all right. moving on. Heresy of the week. Of the Wii. all right let us do this all right, so we were the the really obvious one for this felt like um well we already did it kenosis
1: so yeah so basically i have all the records in my computer and so john comes and he's like let's do kenosis and i'm like we already did that and, like, and he's like and he sits there and he like looks up to the side and he's like we did already do that <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it just we should have just saved it
1: for this we should, it have, we should have we should have planned perfectly. better we should have planned better because yeah, it definitely is kenosis which yeah, is quick summary of just briefly
0: that that's that when jesus became a human he for forego forewent all of his um divinity and just became a human for a time right whereas the, this is wrong this is a heresy because what actually happened is
1: jesus is still fully god but he added human nature to yeah, himself the emptying himself of philippians 2 which we read today is not that he ceased to be god and he emptied himself in an overly literal way but that he forwent. Yeah, I all of the rights of of his divinity, um, not maybe not all of them, but he forewent his the like the glory that was his and the 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 yeah, yeah. by adding to himself a, a human nature. We talked about it before. Go listen to that.
0: Whatever that, episode, that, that other episode I mean, earlier was, this season. It was about uh, it yeah. was earlier this season because yeah. it was like we were just going through that. There was like thirty heresies an episode for some of those. Um, anyway. So, what we're going to do today. Uh, it
1: is in um, episode one.
0: Oh, of this season?
1: Of season three, episode one. Oh, nice. Season three, episode one. Go listen to Sweet. that. Sweet.
0: Go check it out. Heresy of the Weekend there.
1: Yeah. Kenosis. Um, the real one. Should I introduce it? Or do you oh. want to introduce it? <laughs>
0: well okay you know more about this movie than i do it's it's got a movie uh, okay so i'll give the movie
1: background and then you tell about it so the the motivation for this one is the martin scorsese movie the last temptation of jesus christ and basically (laughs) well and so at first glance this is like horribly abysmally disgusting and bad and blasphemous but then you're like Oh, I guess I see where he's coming from, and we'll talk about that later. But basically, in the movie The Last Temptation of Jesus Christ, I also think Jesus is played by Willem Dafoe in this movie. Really? Which, like, he's got a weird face, man, and he's super white. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, uh, (laughs) Jesus' last temptation on the cross is basically he has this, like, I think he has, like, a he imagines, and you see him imagining a life where he gets off the cross and marries and um sleeps with Mary Magdalene and you can s- like they show it. I haven't seen the movie but I, I think I have seen that, that clip from it, that segment from it. Um and that this last temptation is don't suffer this but live a pleasant life with this lady. Um which isn't so again the uh, we'll we'll get into what <laughs> we'll get into it, John. Go ahead. That's the idea. That's the uh, motivation. Uh, <laughs> the last temptation is just Okay,
0: so so the idea here I think is, is based on, so we talk, what about, is the
1: error that we're trying to point out?
0: Yeah. So the, so what this is kind of based on, I think is the fact that in Hebrews, we talk about the temptation of Jesus and he's tempted like us in every, he's tempted like us in every way. And, um, and so we kind of take that to mean like very literally, like exactly like us when, in reality, Jesus's temptation is very different than ours because Jesus has never sinned. So it's not like us who, who are tempted to sin and like just think it looks really, I don't know. There's There's like a draw to sin because we're enslaved to sin. And so that's different for Jesus. Jesus is a lot more like Adam right. who had never sinned. And so it wasn't like his temptation was,
1: oh man, I love sinning. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Right. Which, which that's not the like conscious process that we go through every time we sin and are tempted to sin. Yeah. But, and that's why they think this is so hard is because the category that defines Jesus' temptation and Adam's temptation is so foreign to us that we do not know what it is to be tempted without a sin nature where we both want sin and are tempted to do sin. Um, Jesus and Adam both being the first... Um, Jesus, Jesus is the second Adam, but he is, he is by, by his human nature. Yeah. They're the only two of their kind. We are their human nature. They are fully human without a sin nature. Um, and so Jesus was tempted in every way that we were. He is tempted like us in every single way without sin, but he is without sin in thought and in word and in deed. And I think the way that Martin Scorsese paints the picture of Jesus being without sin is like, he wanted to do this thing, but he didn't do it. And that's he, his overcoming of sin is like ours, where we want to do the wrong thing, but we don't. And Jesus doesn't even sin in thought. Yeah. Like and It's not so, like he's
0: like fantasizing about these sinful, of sinful things. things. Yeah. Right.
1: And so so what what we don't know what that would be like. What is it like to be tempted even and I don't know, I don't the Bible does say he was tempted in every way. What is it like to be tempted even to sexual sin without actually committing lust in your heart and mind. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Um, We can't know what that's like because we can't do that because we (laughs) do have a sinful nature, but we can say that Jesus was tempted in every way and that Jesus was sinless, not just in his deeds, but in his thoughts as well. And so we get into very dangerous territory when we portray Jesus as being this guy who, like John said, fantasizes about sin or or even kind of thinks considers fondly, it. considers this, yeah. and he doesn't do it. That's a victory for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's uh but it's and that's again a highlighting of the the pervasiveness of sin that maybe you don't do the sin, but you want to, and that in and of itself is testimony to your sinful nature. And yeah. and that's still way better than yeah. actually doing it, but it's it's nearly impossible not nearly impossible. But it's like, yeah, well, everything we do is tainted by sin. Jesus was perfect, and even in nature, and so his temptation yeah. is not like ours. But it was like ours in every way. <laughs> yeah, and
0: this doesn't, this is not to be like, Jesus is not relatable to you in in suffering or in anything yeah. like that. The idea is that Jesus isn't tempted in that way, but Jesus is still fully human like us
1: and can identify with the struggles of being a human all of the sufferings and temptations that we experience and that doesn't mean that like i'm tempted to steal my neighbor's car and jesus wasn't because his neighbors didn't have cars it's like yeah yeah, but jesus was tempted to the sin of of envy or of um, selfishness selfishness or whatever so it's like the category that that very literal sin is in jesus was tempted towards that yeah. Just because cars didn't exist then or whatever doesn't mean that he can't relate to the suffering that, or the temptation and the sin that you are suffered towards. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And so yeah, I, stuff, it doesn't. This is good stuff. It doesn't compromise the legitimacy of Jesus temp- resisting of temptation. I like to point out, as it was pointed out to me, that he resisted temptation to the point of sweating blood like none of us have fought against temptation that hard (laughs) no where blood came out of our pores where he was so fighting his temptation to flee the cross that he sweat blood and similarly his temptation what he's being tempted to is
0: basically what he has to do and he's trying to avoid is like i don't it's not like he's like oh i really want to i don't know steal this candy bar it's like he i really want to not
1: die for not my (laughs) sins (laughs) and that seems fair (laughs) yeah but he still does (laughs) yeah but yeah he does suffer in in every way and 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 i guess just because we did bring up that weird sexual temptation thing i don't want to leave it too (laughs) untouched and the way that i kind of talk about this is is that to say that Jesus was tempted in every way does not mean that he was tempted to everything. And so we can look at people who struggle with same sex attraction and we can't say to them, Jesus suffered that too. Um, that I think is, is dangerous or erroneous or problematic. And and at the very least unfounded to say that he was tempted to that same thing. But Jesus asks of his followers, um, things that he did suffer through. Jesus lived a life, uh, unmarried. And he lived life in celibacy. And so, when he asked those who suffer the temptation of, of same-sex attraction to live lives of, of repentance and celibacy, he's not asking them to suffer a thing that he didn't. Yeah, uh, Jesus was perfect and he wasn't married. Now, marriage is good and ought to be sought. But for people who are attracted to people of the same sex, not to... And this isn't the place for that full discussion. Yeah. But... Um, the, the Jesus isn't like, it's not that big a deal. Just shrug it off and be like, come on. It's fine. He, he's asking them to a thing that he himself did. Um, and, and that's important that it's not just a dismissal of a hard thing, but it's a, Jesus did suffer in a way that you do. And so when he asks people and, and yeah, like repentance. Some people have been freed of their same-sex attraction. Read Rosaria Butterfield's thing. She's married to a pastor now. Um, Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Great book. Yeah. Um, but that's not the promise to everyone who suffers that. Now, now Josh, I know we got to go on here shortly, but I
0: did want to ask, what would you say to someone who was maybe in a very difficult marriage situation? And they were like, well, Jesus doesn't know how it feels to be oh, great. Kind of trapped yeah. in this marriage or something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, he is married to the church his bride the church and, and there is the there is faithful. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no more unfaithful bride than israel in the church yeah mm. that's that's very yeah. good um yeah that's helpful thank you for that uh now the last thing questions from the catechumens we've got one this is from tim Beep in north carolina tim uh i said your full name i hope that's okay maybe i'll bleep it out tim <laughs> beep <laughs> <laughs> um tim uh, asked basically it's he he's reading the da vinci code and he to summarize his question he was talking about how he knows that the things that 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 are kind of claimed by dan brown are are false and there's a lot of data and history and things to be studied that that maybe a lot of people don't know or have access to but he makes a compelling case and I, I haven't read it so I can't speak super authoritatively Yeah, but I have heard similar things from other people that it sounds pretty compelling the arguments that Dan Brown makes and before we address a couple of those the big deal thing of Dan Brown's book is that Jesus was indeed married to Mary Magdalene as the last temptation of Jesus Christ would say that he desired to be which again there's no historical or biblical foundation for that claim yeah. um, but that's Dan Brown's claim in the da Vinci code that Mary Magdalene herself is the Holy grail and the Holy grail is like the descendants of Jesus and Mary more or less. And, um, that he kind of, the person that everyone wants to believe is John, the beloved disciple in the painting is actually Mary. Uh, and, and (laughs) that she was married to Jesus. Um, that's kind and of the idea. Of that's the da Vinci idea code. of the Da Vinci yeah. Code. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of other biblical and theological claims that run adjacent to that throughout. Yeah. Apparently, and because um, of this, therefore this. Right. Yeah, and so they're all connected. And Dan Brown is basically exposing this theory that has been suppressed by the church for centuries. Um, and just quickly, pretty much every claim, and symbol, and thing that he makes is is unsubstantiated, but they all are convincing without clear facts and the clear facts that refute all the things that he says aren't known or had by pretty much everybody. Yeah, And so it's just, he's making compelling cases and, and if they're compelling to you, that's, that makes sense because he does make compelling cases, but the th- cases he make makes are really easily refuted. It's just the, the, the tools necessary to refute them are not tools had by most. Yeah. And so don't feel bad that they, that they like, like raise oh. doubts because he can make a compelling case but if you actually pieced it took it apart be like oh this is kind of foolish and we'll do that with a couple of them in a second
0: yeah you can you can kind of in the midst of like ancient history you can kind of say whatever you want and just say the data was lost or something (laughs) like that and so you could you could kind of say just about anything and then just say like yeah it wasn't really uh uh, it just didn't get passed on. It was suppressed or something like that. And that explains why there's absolutely no data for the right. the view. So you may or be the, able to construct a cohesive sounding thing with no data supporting you. And you can just say, oh, there's no data. It's right. like, well, there should be some data.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and And one of the other things that partners with that is this history is written by the victors thing. And so mm. because orthodoxy, quote unquote, the attackers of orthodoxy would say, one historically, they erased all of their the data of their opponents, even though their opponents were actually the ones telling the truth. That's the the theory. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Um. So here are a couple of them. First, um, Dan Brown draws attention to all sorts of symbols in Da Vinci's Last Supper and other paintings and other things, and supposedly I think the V formed between John and Jesus, who who dan brown says is mary it's a v and that's the symbol of the holy grail and it represents the womb of mary um and there's an m in the painting as well which symbolizes something um And I think, and and I know this sounds like someone who's just, I'm not buying it, so I'm going to come up with any reason to not buy it. But basically, I think that's kind of like finding shapes in clouds. Like, you can find symbols and shapes in anything if you want to, but to say without any other data or any other support that these symbols were intentionally put there to hide a message is like saying that because you saw these shapes in the clouds, it's some... airline pilot trying to speak to you through whatever clouds or whatever it's like (laughs) yeah there's no reason that to to see that yeah there's a v there was that intentionally a symbol placed there by da vinci to represent the womb of mary well there's no substantiation for that and so it sounds compelling and convincing but again it's kind of like saying that there is significance to the shapes you see in the clouds you're
0: um, yeah because because anyone could do that with with you know, you could go to any painting from that area if you wanted and yeah. say, oh. Look at all the symbols here. Look at what is this This is looks like
1: here. an L, which stands for 50 in the Roman numerals, which is the number of whatever. And
0: no one can, like, can just utterly and completely prove you wrong. Because no one has a statement of Da Vinci saying, there's not an M here <laughs> in my painting. Sure, sure. But, I mean does it sound convincing? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and
1: I, and again, I think when you take all these things together, it makes a compelling case, yeah. but with tools in this next one, here are some tools. One of the things, one of the claims he makes is that the divine name, Yahweh, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, um, is actually a combination of the name of one God and another female God. And there's this male feminine connection that is culminated in Jesus and Mary. And I forget which we did this in Hebrew class, but i forget which it is but the the divine name combo theory comes from him either mistaking a hey for a het or a yod for a vav hmm. basically the the divine name hebrew is letters. right those are hebrew letters and they the divine name is spelled yod y hey which is like a, a soft h vav which is a v or a w hey which is that soft h again and either the first letter is mistaken for the third letter or vice versa or the second and fourth letters are mistaken for the Het, which looks almost identical, but any day two Hebrew student would be able to tell the difference between the two. And yeah. Dan Brown says, if you see these two things, it's like it's like if I said um, that... Uh, hmm, what's what's an English example? If you spelled my
0: name wrong, it would actually be the same as Josh's. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's like if, <laughs> I, if
1: I said that um, Jonathan is a combination of the names Jan and Nathan. And well and then I would be like, no, because John is spelled with a J-O-N, and Nathan is N-A-T-H-A-N, and John is J- uh, jonathan is an o in the beginning and so it's a combination of john and nathan not jan and nathan it's as similar as a lowercase a and O are, and confusing those and anyone yeah. in english would be like no it's not jan and nathan it's john and nathan it's not actually john and nathan combined but yeah. that's the point <laughs> um and so it's like that claim sounds c- like plausible but that's because you don't know hebrew and why would you <laughs> if you didn't go to seminary yeah <laughs> uh, and then I- the last one <laughs> it's it's yeah, that's just very
0: like, well, because even you could even go, well, it's it's pretty close, and it's like, well, it's not that close. It's, yeah, it's like a full. There's only four letters in the word, and it's a full letter off.
1: So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Maybe the last, two. the last one is that this is clearly a lady in in the painting, um, except that in literally every single painting of the era and a little before and a little after of the Last Supper, John is painted kind of feminine because he's younger than the rest he's youthful and it's not like Da Vinci was going against the grain by painting John youthful. Maybe they would say, well, that's because everyone's putting Mary in there, but it's, pr- it's uh... a <laughs> massive conspiracy theory. Yeah, Um, but yeah, not, to, yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of, again, Dan Brown makes a lot of claims. Of course he's, I think he, th- he's writing fiction, but I think he also thinks like you said, and then you questioned him that he thinks the Bible is fiction um used to c- cover up these conspiracy these and stuff yeah. uh and and um and I know a lot of the things he presents are are that they kind of shake and cause doubts and that that's not that's fair yeah. but the things that are used to cause doubt can pretty easily be dismantled with with not usually accessed um tools aka yeah. the hebrew alphabet <laughs> and knowledge of other <laughs> or another example paintings to compare it to yeah. so Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Good question. Yeah, fun time. So we'll see you guys next week with the exaltation of Christ. Sweet. Um, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Catechized Pod. Uh, follow us there. We have comments and likes. More than the turkey, he'll be back. Um, <laughs> give us <laughs> oh a review. <laughs> There's a couple more reviews on on, uh, on Apple Podcasts. We got some, well, we got our, our catechized podcast um spotify wrapped thing that told us a little bit of data about how much we've been listened to but i couldn't make sense of it because it's like you've been listened to like 1500 times and it was like your top episode has three listens i was like that math does not add up (laughs) 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 but that's weird but it is cool to be able to look at that so keep listening keep sharing keep reviewing keep subscribing keep liking And we hope that you do enjoy this and find it helpful to your faith and your ability to, again, pass on the faith. We want you to know the catechism so that you can uh, pass the faith on. um, And, and, yeah, good times. Sweet. Catechize your kids. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.